fucking deep. I like it. Put it in deep. You know, getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep, put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep, getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, pucks in deep, puck deep, pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. Pucks in Deep podcast, episode 30, the solo show. Yes, my man Josh Coleman is down in sunny Mexico on this cloudy day back here in Pembroke, Ontario. Coming off a shit night, um, but I managed to tie one on and have a bit of a good time despite uh, that shitty, shitty hockey game for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, but we got a pretty good show coming in here. We're going to have Coleman on for a little bit, uh, followed by Laura Duarte, friend of the show, needs no introduction. And we're going to break down what's going on in the playoffs and what's going on with the Leafs. And uh, first things first, though, I've got my man here on the line. Um, we're very fortunate to have him on, considering he's taken time out of his busy schedule and his fiance is giving him a little bit of time to chat hockey. So welcome to the podcast, Josh Coleman. What's going on, brother? She's, uh, you're right. She's, 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 she's given me the time. I wouldn't say it's reluctant, but I got a couple of sideways glances there. Cause I also burned the last five and a half hours watching tiger win the fucking Masters. <laughs> so, uh, I've, I've been pacing around the room. Um, she's been begging me to go to the turtle farm. She's down getting lunch. I think she was getting a little hangry. So uh, she's down getting lunch, and uh, yeah, I'm down here. It's beautiful. Kudos to you for remembering where I went. I didn't even remember where you went when you went on vacation. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, it's nice here. It's good. It's real good, man. It's sunny, and it's, uh, it's a beautiful day in paradise. So, But yeah, the game last night was shit. I went and saw it at a bar, a local bar here. It's called Nash Sports Bar on the island of, uh, of Isla Mujeres Island, if anyone's uh, Google mapping it. It's uh, just this little tiny, tiny strip of an island just off of uh, the coast of Cancun. And this guy is, is actually from Vancouver. And his bar has eight satellite dishes with transmitters back home. So he's got all like the CBC Hockey Night in Canada's and the sports nets. And he's got all the games and big uh, projection screen TVs and shit. So, and they serve poutine, dude. Oh, so unreal. Yeah, yeah. So I was eating a poutine. Last night, uh, watching the game, drinking pints, uh, ended up leaving the, at the second remission, and I missed all the fireworks in the third. What the fuck was going on there? Well, you know, they actually showed up for the third period, which was a nice treat, and then, uh, yeah, Naz uh, went off the handle there, and uh, that's uh, that's a whole, whole can of worms right there. I mean, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty fed up with him at this point. Um, I don't know what the team why? like. I don't not, not why to you. I mean, why is he doing that? Like, I, it when makes, I saw the highlights, it's fucking brutal. It makes no sense, and and it's funny because um, a lot of people pointed to that that clean hit on Marlow. Um, I think that Marlow hit really had little to nothing to do with it. I mean, he was going at it with DeBrusque for the last two games, and and DeBrusque had that knee on him earlier in the game that didn't get called, and. Um, a lot yeah. of people are attributing some of the behavior last night to the officiating and that they didn't have a good handle on that game. It was that typical playoff, you know, we're not going to call shit. And then the players right. start looking for retribution. Right. So, but well, I, they police themselves. Right. And yeah. that's, that's just asking for a fucking issue. And I was mentioning to some of my buddies last night, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate because I mean, the guy's just, he needs to be, 
uh, an X factor uh, for the team. We talked about him last week. Um, you know, he's got to he's got to play within the lines, man. And like I, the, what I was saying to my buddies was, I mean, you know how many times let's go a fucking guy gets punched in the face like three or four times, and <laughs> sometimes there's not even any penalty. Yeah. Worst worst case scenario, it's a two minute minor. So why don't you just fucking cross check him in the arm, and then punch him in the face twice? Yeah, exactly. Challenge him to a fight. Like, there's so many different options here. And like, it was funny earlier in the game too. DeBrusque had got into it with him, but he was he was the main perpetrator there. He he was punching him, putting him in the ice, cross checking him, and Nas somehow ended up with two minutes and penalties for that. It was um four in a four on four or whatever it was, but offsetting yeah, yeah yeah he's got i mean he's getting no sympathy from the officials i think we've seen that now over the last couple of seasons where he's not drawing penalties uh, nearly the rate he once was um and i and you know i, I gotta think that the league's gonna throw the book at him hard because all of his suspensions are for the same shit they're for hitting guys in the head um you know going back to last year's playoffs uh you know he got suspended once four games for cross-checking luke glendening in the head too so i mean yeah, you got to He's having an in-person hearing too, which allows the league to suspend him for six or more games. Which I got to think there's a reason behind that. So, what are you thinking then? In oh, terms it, of the game. Oh, like I know they they say the playoff factor, so there it might reduce it. And I also uh, Justin Bourne of the Athletic had mentioned that he believed that it was going to be reduced as well uh, because he got assessed a game and it kind of basically ended the game for the Maple Leafs last night. Not sure how much they're going to factor this in because I think the number one factor for the league here is his history. Yeah. Well, are you, are, so are you, are you thinking of a number? I'm thinking, I, I'm, think, I'm thinking it could be upwards of five, to be honest. Like, five? Oh yeah, I, I know. I, I, I'm afraid we might not see him again this series, and that's a that's a big hole. Um, you know, thankfully, we, yeah, we got Tavares this time around to to kind of back up the boys. But, oh, geez, man. Like, he's, he's put them in the situation once again. And, like, I, I, I don't know if there's a way for the team to punish him as well, but I sure would like it if they found a way because, man, this is this is completely unacceptable. And at the most important time of the year, I mean, big deal if this shit happens during the season, right? Yeah, and, I mean, it, it, you know what, dude? At the end of the day, for me, like, as a fan, and I, I've, I've always been a, a Cadre supporter. There was... You know, we all know as Leaf fans, like, Kadri's been around for many, many years, right? Like, he seems to be one of the uh, last uh, remaining originals from yeah. when the team was absolute trash. And I always used to say, you know, to some of my friends and, and acquaintances that would that would shit on Kadri, you know, I'd say, listen, this guy's going to end up being a big deal for us. Like, if mm-hmm. I like that they, I always liked that they hung on, that they hung on to him amid the multiple rebuilds that he's survived. Um, you know, I've always been glad that he's going to be a player for us, and I always thought that he would be a difference maker. I just, I really didn't anticipate it being a difference maker as far as, like, a negative is concerned, you know, and that's yeah. pretty much what, it's pretty much what he's worked out to be. I mean, if he went out this year and scored 32 goals, 36 goals, you know, and, and filled the net and, and, you know, dropped the gloves a couple times and was a good physical presence and then did this in the playoffs, it would be a little easier pill to swallow Mm. because of the fact that he plays that kind of game and throughout the regular season, it would have been a benefit to us. But really, what did he, what did he do? You know, it wasn't like he had a world beating season uh, and then he comes into the playoffs and now he does this again for the second fucking year in a row. Like it's, Mm. 
you're right. I mean, it's getting it's getting frustrating. I mean, it really sucks from the organization's uh, perspective, especially if they're not going to have him for the rest of the series. They need a guy like Kadri in there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I know. I just like you said, I, I I was a big defender of him for years, and me being the kind of guy who identifies with hockey players who play with that chip on their shoulder, they play with an edge. And that's one thing that I've always liked. And it's become very important for the team, um, considering that they're not a very physical team altogether. Um, and that's why in a series such as this, you know, he's a, he's a big factor for us. So, um, you know, you're losing more than just your third line center in that regard. And, um, he's a lot more important to them uh, in this series in particular um, than maybe he is on a game-to-game basis. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to wait for the decision there. I'm sure there's going to be lots of uh, shouting back and forth from every side, regardless of what happens here and what the uh, what the Leafs do. Um, and uh, it, it sucks, too, because it's such a sour note because we were riding pretty high off game one where, where we might have saw them play one of the best games I think we saw uh, from them all year where they did have that physical edge and they did kind of beat the Bruins in every facet of that game. Yeah, exactly. I think that first game was, I, I agree. I, I couldn't agree more. I think it was the first best game we've seen all year. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, it's from, from, from October all the way through. And I mean, it's a great time of the year to have your best, uh, your best effort. Uh, full 60-minute effort. They never let off the gas pedal, which was my biggest, um, you know, plus looking at that game because, you know, the game went on and it went it went to 3-1 on Thursday. And I, I said to my fiance, I was like, okay, let's just leave it at 3-1. You know, let, <laughs> let's, not, let's not get to 4-1. And then, I, and then immediately after that, I was like, no, fuck that. Get four, get five, you know, like put, put the pedal down. And there was a couple shifts, I don't know if you remember, there was a couple shifts there where, Boston really turned the table, and I'm not going to blame the Leafs and say that they let off the gas pedal because you got to give credit where it's due, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the Bruins played really well to to try and get the Snows back in the game, but the Leafs held off. They played well defensively, and they got pucks in deep. Eh? And there we go, oh, and yeah. uh, and it was solid. It was a really really solid finish. Uh, as for last night, I'm upset with Muzzin. I didn't think Muzzin had a really uh, good effort. Oh, a couple uh, of those goals, night. eh? Like the one that went off his glove Ooh. or whatever in the neutral zone. Like it was a couple yeah. of tough breaks, sort of thing for him. And especially after he was, he was probably our best defenseman in game one. Yes, yeah, that's why I brought him up. Was because in game one, I thought he was, I thought he was fantastic. I, I believe Babcock uh, relied heavily on uh, on on that pairing uh, against the Bergeron line. If I'm not yeah, mistaken, they did. Uh, and and they, you know, I, I thought they responded uh, pretty well. And I mean, the Leafs as a whole, uh, as a group, they responded very well in terms of, I guess, responding to the questions about the physical play and what did they out hit them, 36, 32, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but they out hit them. Um, and, you know, I, I've been a proponent on the pod before, dude, about the hits and how they count them and stuff. And it can be a bit of a shit show. But at the end of the day, they were, they were a physical team and it showed. And uh, I thought the Bruins might be doing themselves a, uh, a disservice by becoming a little bit slower with some of the uh, lineup changes that they made. Um, but I guess it worked in their favor, man. They leaned on us and, and it worked. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what uh, what tomorrow has in store for us uh, back in Toronto. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they took away all the time and space. Uh, they were right on the leaves from the get-go. And 
you know, I was kind of just thinking in my head, they just got to weather the storm, weather the storm, you know, wait till the game calms down a little bit. And Boston didn't let off and didn't give them a, didn't really give them an opportunity to get back in the game. So it, it's really a solid 60 from the Bruins and uh, probably a template that they're going to want to replicate in the future games. Um, I'm going to take it uh, outside of the Leafs here for a moment, um, just because uh, Columbus Blue Jacks and Tampa Bay Lightning, I mean, Geez, if you would have thrown some money on Columbus in Game 2, you probably could have made a few bucks because I think everybody slotted Tampa for a W there. Oh, easily. I mean, how do you lose the first two on home ice? How many games did they lose this year on home ice? I don't know. Like, I wish I had that, that in front of me. I don't know if you do, but, like, uh, they probably only lost a couple times at home all year. Yeah, and they, uh, it's the and first time they had lost two in a row since, like, early February, I think it was. Like, that's insane. I mean, again, we talk about uh, the, going back to the Leaf series. We were excited to see that response, and it was the most important time of year to have it in game one. And in game one and two, subsequently, uh, for Tampa Bay, not the greatest time of the year at all to uh, not bring your, your great effort. I don't know about you. I didn't really – I wasn't able to catch much of the game, but I did see uh, good portions of it. And, I mean, tell me Columbus isn't earning those victories. Well, they absolutely are. I mean, they're uh... – they're a really hard-working, they're a hard-working, gritty team, and I think uh, uh, much like the Leafs and Bruins series, um, they're taking a similar approach to Tampa, where they're taking away their time and space, they're frustrating their top guys, they're getting in their faces, they're they're outworking them and winning the battles, and you know it's a, it, it's so important the playoffs be, and, it, and it's a really a testament to how important hard work is. I mean, you can have all the fucking talent in the world, but if you're not bringing it every shift and you're not winning those little battles, um, the, you know the the team that wins the battles wins the war at the end of the day, right? And I'm not saying that, you know, Tampa's Tampa's out and they're not competing hard enough because um, they came out like gangbusters in that first period. And it's just, you know, I don't know if something's going to weigh on them mentally, but the best thing you can do in the playoffs, right, is, is forget about the game shortly after it happened. You know, you take a few lessons, but other than that, you got to hit the reset button. Well, look at Washington. I mean, did they not win the cup last year after facing Columbus and going down? Yeah, absolutely. So- it's uh, it's the playoffs, baby. I mean, anything can happen, and anything can and will uh, happen. So, I mean, I'm not counting them out. There's no there's no doubt about that. But uh, what, what was Kucherov? Was Kucherov a one gamer? I actually I did not see what happened. Um, I assumed he was at least getting a game, I, but I mean, he's not uh, like a repeat offender or anything like that. No, that's right. But I think uh, I thought I was reading that he got a game. Yeah, he got one game. Yeah, okay. one game. Yeah, which yeah, is one game. I mean, so he has to sit now. I mean, it's it's not like they they're going to struggle heavily without him. It's not like Colorado is losing uh, Nathan McKinnon, right? You know, or, or or anything of that sort. Dallas loses uh, Jamie Ben or 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 Sagan or something. They've got the threat uh, offensively, so they should be all right. But I mean, <laughs> again, like you can't tell me that that's not going to fire up the Blue Jackets. I mean, they're coming home to the cannon. Uh, you know, and they don't have to put up with goddamn Kucherov and his no look one touch passes everywhere. <laughs> you know, so there's there's some confidence brewing, I think, there. And I mean, man, you you put them down three nothing. I don't know about it, but uh, like I said, I guess anything can happen. But I mean, two games at home for Columbus. If you're if you're hoping for a split, you're up three one in the series. I mean, they're in a great great position right now. And they and you know what? I think the best thing about it too. Let's go from a Columbus perspective is what I said earlier, that they've been down this road, this exact road they've been mm-hmm. down, it, and they let it slip away mm-hmm. to, the, to the eventual cup champions, right? So they yeah. don't want to do that again. And, I mean, you learn 
you learn a lot from losing, right? And they had to learn that last year. And we'll see uh, what kind of uh, you know lessons they did learn and what they can use moving forward in this series. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, that experience from last year is definitely – uh, something that they, they must have learned from, and I guess we'll kind of find out in how the rest of the series plays out. Um, going down to another one that's a bit of a surprise, and that's the New York Islanders being up to uh, zip on the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, I'm not, again, not counting Crosby and the Penguins out. I'd never sleep on them, but I, I don't know. Maybe we're not, uh, we didn't give uh, the Islanders enough credit, enough love, but uh, I haven't looked at the numbers and to see how sustainable what they're doing is, but it seems like a lot of it's on the back of Robin Leonard and the clutch play of uh, one Jordan Eberle, who's just a big game fucking player. If, if there's one thing he's proven over the years. Well, you don't want to fuck with uh, Jordan Eberle in a contract season. No, I guess. Absolutely <laughs> right? I mean, not. He's playing, for, he's playing for money, right? That was the first thing I thought of in game one uh, of the Winnipeg series when uh, when Patrick Laine opened the scoring. Um, you know, first goal in the series, I thought, well, there's a perfect time for that guy uh, to, to get his mojo back, uh, you know, against the Blues. And it's in a contract season, so he wants to get paid. And you know what, man? If you play well in the playoffs, you're going to get paid. Oh, okay, yeah. an 82, yeah, an 82 game season is a grind. But let's just say you had a player that played 10 years in the league, and every single season in the league he got 97 points, but then he only got six points in all the playoff rounds. Well, he's not getting any money. Yeah, they weight you know, that differently. They hate that difference. Yeah, you, you you almost have to be the other way. Don't show up at all during the regular season, but then be our guy come the playoffs. Yeah, that's a it's so much more, yeah, it's so much more important, and everybody's that kind of guy. That's a great point too, because. There's tons of guys that we've seen over the years as well who have made bank based on playoff performances. Uh, a guy like Johan Franzen comes to the mind. Um, a lot of, a lot of, yeah. There's a lot of bad contracts that came out of sick playoff runs and sick playoff performances where it's you know you're paying for that for that clutchness, that performance, that uh, that experience, right? And then you know guys go back to almost normal you'd say during the season and you're like why are we paying this guy five or six mil again you know it's yeah exactly yeah. exactly and listen one more point there on the uh, penguins and islanders i mean i'm looking at their stats here real quick and 36 shots uh today um they only gave up 26 so that's the that's an islanders game and look out if their offense starts starts to roll starts to roll right um, they, they've been they've been a low scoring team and they've been a good defensive team all year. So they haven't scored a ton of goals, but they also don't let up very many either. And in the first game, it was 34 to 33 were the shots for in favor of the Islanders. So I mean, they're they're okay to play a little bit of a run and gun. And, and you're right, especially game one really comes down to Leonard. Game two, I think, uh, comes down to the fact that they just kept rolling and the Penguins weren't able to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think given the fact that this series started in the Coliseum, uh, I think that really uh, bodes well for the Islanders. And of course, it did; they won both. But as they say, you're you're never really in trouble until you lose at home, right? So, right. Uh, for the for the Penguins, they, they've got they've got a multitude of experience, uh, lots of gritty veterans on there that have been down this road before, have a few rings. Um, so, you know, if I, if I'm if I'm picking a uh, a more safe comeback between let's say Tampa coming back and Pittsburgh coming back, I would feel more comfortable choosing Pittsburgh. And I don't mean that as, as further disrespect to the Islanders. I'm just comparing the two teams, Tampa and Pittsburgh. I feel like I'd put more eggs in Pittsburgh's basket, um, you know, coming home down to, instead of where Tampa is actually going on the road. Mm-hmm. Down to. 
Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right about that. And uh, just in the experience alone of the Pittsburgh Penguins, like you said, been down this road before, I definitely got to give them the edge in, in dealing with adversity. And right. I mean, Tampa may not have really dealt with anything all year. I mean, I think the worst thing that happened to him was a couple injuries, Vasilevsky, Hedman, whatever. Like, Hedman yeah. is out to lunch, man. He is getting walked left and right. And this guy won the Norris Trophy last year. Like, I saw a couple of those highlights, and I, I was shocked. He, he, was, he, he was playing, like, pickup defense there, waving the stick. Yeah, I, I had heard. Uh, again, I hadn't seen uh, too, too many of the replays or anything, but I, I had to look up some of the goals just to see for myself. And you're right. I mean based on what I had heard, which was um, one of my buddies uh, texted me and he said, is Hedman overrated? Question mark, question mark. <laughs> because like, how do you overrate Victor Hedman? I mean, the guy goes off the board in the, in the early rounds, as far as defensemen are concerned in, in all playoff pools, in all styles of formats. I mean, the guy's, the guy's great back there, but all of a sudden, I don't know. Do you think it could be injury related? Uh, yeah, he might not be a hundred percent. I know he had a, a little bit of injury trouble this year, and it's just uh, just from a defensive standpoint, like wow. I mean, he got walked by was it David Savard there on that one goal? It's it's like he wasn't expecting anything to happen there, and he, he just played it super soft. And you got to think that uh, you know he's got to be a, an X factor if they're going to come back in this series. I mean, he's there. He's their go to guy, right? And I know they got a pretty well, yeah. deep defense. But if your number one guy is in playing like your number one guy, I mean that really can really make things difficult on the back end and for the from a coaching standpoint too. You you know you, all of a sudden you're questioning the level of trust you might have in that guy in certain situations. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I'd go even a little bit further. I wouldn't necessarily say that he's that he's got to be an X factor. I'd say he's got to be a, a factor. I mean, like he. An X factor is almost like a guy that you're hoping steps it up. You know, this isn't a guy that you're hoping steps it up. He should already be stepped up. That's right. Uh, top of the line. He's one of the top of the I mean, one of the top defensemen in the league. Uh, I mean, he's got to start acting like it if Tampa wants to have a shot. Yeah, absolutely. All right, buddy, I had you on for about 20 minutes here, so I think I'm going to let you go uh, pet some turtles or whatever the hell a turtle farm is. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for helping me out here. I know it took us about a half hour to get going because uh, I have never been on this side of the desk before, and I had a lot of fucking around to do on the software to get this thing going. But uh, Well, we got it done. Yeah. We got it done. Just do me a favor before I go and uh, confirm to me that you're seeing blue waves go across the screen as I, I talk here. I am seeing the blue waves, so this must be recorded because, boy, oh, boy, oh. I, I can't guarantee your computer would still be in one piece if we did all this and there wasn't, so... That that text message in about four four minutes after I hang up saying that none of that was recorded would have been just a little like, a little hilarious to me down here in the plane south. Yeah, puck pods canceled. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> right All right, on, bro. Man. Well, thanks a lot. Eh? Yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back soon, and I'll be uh, you throwing this up tonight or what? Absolutely, man. We'll get it up right away before it's dated. All right, cool, man. Well, give me a shout if you need a hand. I'll help you through it, and uh, we'll talk to you when I'm back. Absolutely. Take care, my man. All right, go Leafs, go. Go Leafs. All right, that was our Mexican correspondent or Mexican-based correspondent, uh, Josh Coleman. Um, he is heading to a turtle farm with his fiance. Um, if somebody can tweet at uh, Lesko Adam and tell me what a turtle farm is and if you've ever been to one, I'm very curious about this. Uh, so what we're going to do here is I'm going to just cut off for a second. I'm going to queue up Laura Duarte and we're going to take a deeper dive on the Leafs series. I tried to get Coleman off the Leafs, but I know he's really hot and bothered about this series. Um, it's good to hear though, that he found a way to watch the games and, uh, 
even if it wasn't enjoyable, uh, I think the Leafs got a little bit more in the tank and that uh, we might see a bit more of an improved uh, effort overall coming in on Monday. I got to tell you, though, there is nothing more awkward than sitting here in someone else's basement talking to yourself while recording it. Uh, but, you know, life's about trying new things, right? So I'm just going to dial up Laura here, and uh, we're going to get into some hardcore Leafs talk and see if we can answer some burning questions, because I know there's a lot of them after last night's game, and uh, they're they're leaving us wanting more, absolutely. Okay, so I'm back here, and I've got friend of the show, Laura Duarte, on the line. Laura's coming to us uh, as our Toronto-based correspondent today. And uh, she's pretty worked up. Uh, apparently, she said she was just watching some clips to get fired up for the show. How's it going, Laura? Um, not, not, not going good. Not a good Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was rewatching some of the goals. Actually, Sportsnet made a video of all the hits uh, from last night's game, and oh, it's just so infuriating right now. Yeah, I know. It's it was just uh, you know overall, and, and I think the thing that bothered me the most was the there wasn't much of a response, you know, it's, I was waiting for the Leafs to kind of weather the storm throughout the game and, and uh, let, you know, let Boston go crazy for a bit and hopefully not get scored on too much, settle down and then come at them hard. I know they had a bit more of an effort in the third period till you know, things went off the rails there for them. But uh, overall, I think just, I guess game one really built it up for us. And so what I saw in game two was basically nothing like it, you know? No, I agree. Um, Game one, they were so physical, um, and I was expecting that same physicality in game two because I knew that the Boston Bruins were going to come back hard. I mean, the back is back in the lineup. That's, that says something. Um, you took them by surprise in the first game. I don't think you're going to do that two times. Um, and, yeah, it just seemed like the, the Leafs kind of, like, cracked under the pressure for a bit. I agree they came back in the third, and I thought they had a good effort. But it was a completely different team that we saw in game one and game two. Yeah, absolutely. And uh it just it, it was just disappointing, I guess. Like I like you said, I knew Boston was coming back hard and that they were gonna be re- very physical and everything and it just it just seemed like it was too much for the Leafs last night and they, they didn't have an answer at all. Um anyway, I wanted to ask you about uh that hype video that you put up just before <laughs> the playoffs. It was actually one of the first ones I watched. Um, and then it sent me off in like a deep YouTube wormhole uh, pregame as if I wasn't excited enough. I watched a whole bunch of them, but uh, tell me a little bit about making that. Like, how many views does that have now? Because I think it was over 2,000 when I watched it. Um, I have 69,000 views right now. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I've been wanting to make one for like the past two post seasons, and I never did for like, I just made excuses for one reason or another. And as the year started, we started off with, like, such a bang with Tavares, and then the power play was on a heater. And I started making it back in, like, I think it was either October or November. Like, I can't remember. Um, And I started collecting clips from, like, the entire season. And then back in March, I, like, put it all together. And I posted it on Twitter the day, the night of the last uh, regular season game right after we lost to Montreal in overtime mm-hmm. um, I was down in the event in real sports and I posted it right away on my phone and yeah it's gotten like great reviews I mean there's obviously some haters there's always going to be like teams uh, fans from other teams who just think it's stupid but whatever everyone seems to like it for the most part it was fun making it 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I love those hype videos. They just, they get the hair standing up on the back of your neck, you know, they get the goosebumps going. And uh, it was funny too, because my, my uh, wife is sitting there watching me watch these. She's like, are you not jacked up enough? Like, is this, <laughs> is this making you feel good? I'm like, it is a little bit, but at the same time, it's making me nervous and working me up a little more pr- than I probably should. Because like when I'm watching playoff games, I'm like, a, I'm, I'm a wreck. Like I am... Yeah, I'm that crazy guy, basically, you know, because I, I find in playoffs, and one of the most enjoying, enjoyable parts about it for me is every play counts, every battle, every shot, you know, it's, there's so much riding on it, and, uh, like, I, I don't know about uh, you, but, like, I, I almost lost my voice after game one uh, from all the yelling, and a lot of that was celebratory, you know, it was, you know, whenever they well, snipe, I'm screaming, basically. <laughs> If you can tell, my voice is a little bit, like, raspy right now from last night. Um, I'm trying to, like, uh, build up on fluids right now. But, no, I'm, like, completely the same way. I'm a nervous wreck for playoff games. Game one, I was home alone. So, like, I was kind of just uh, – I was by myself, so no one saw me freak out. <laughs> huh. And then last night, I was in public, like, watching a game, and I forgot, like, how bad it gets, especially when we're losing. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, and where were you last night? You said you were at, a, like, a viewing party or something it was like a, that? Yeah, it was, like, a Leafs Twitter meetup with, like, a bunch of people, and we all watched the game together. Nice. So you got to meet some of those, uh, some of your followers there in person. Yeah. You know, I love meeting my fans. Oh, of course. And you certain are, certainly are racking up quite a few of them as well, and... Uh, <laughs> I know that's that sounds like an awesome thing to do. You know, you just, I always just try and get together with a bunch of buddies. Like I just throw out the mass text, and whoever comes by comes by. But I was actually at a party, a birthday party for a friend last night. So kind of all the Leaf fans were separated from the party downstairs, watching the game in the basement, and everyone wanted to stay the hell out of our way because we were we were uh, behaving erratically to say the least. Yeah, no, we were at a we were at a restaurant, and they put us in like a separate section of the place like we had our own room with like the curtains closed because it got rowdy and before that the Raptors game was going on too and we lost yeah it was like two back-to-back games it was not it was not a good night yeah yeah and it was pretty uh it's a pretty tough one there but you know I threw back a few more extra drinks I guess afterwards (laughs) to try and soothe the pain and uh but you know you wake up and uh you feel equally shitty just because you're hung over and the Leafs lost so what are you gonna do about that um, I just want to go back to game one here for a moment. And, uh, I, and I really thought this after the game and I know some of the media pundits were saying the same thing, but do you think the Leafs kind of defeated that narrative and that, that pessimism around the fan base that, that they can't beat the Bruins or can't compete with the Bruins in the playoffs? Oh, for sure. I think they came out and they were physical and they said, we're not going to be pushed around and they weren't. Um, I think it was very close to a complete 60-minute effort. I know the game got a little bit away from them in the second period. But those big hits by Trevor Moore and Connor Brown, I mean, Trevor Moore basically pushed Chara into retirement with that hit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's funny. I think I tweeted it out, but I haven't seen Chara get hit that hard since Darcy Tucker hit him in a Sens Ottawa series back in like the early 2000s. Yeah, I have no idea what that means, but <laughs> <laughs> look it up sometime. Look it up because t- like Tucker charges him. Like now, you'd probably get some kind of penalty for that, but he just ran him in the corner. But yeah, it looked like um, Trevor Moore. Like good on him for finishing his check because I think a lot of people in that situation might shy away from Char and just be like, 
I'm not going to bother. And Chara might assume that Moore wasn't going to hit him at all because it looks like he caught him completely off guard. Yeah. It's low center of gravity. He just went to the boards. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. And that Brown hit got us all up out of our seats. Like, I, oh, yeah. I've never seen him hit someone like that. And, uh, and you know, it, it's, it's funny because they always say, well, the Leafs got to play their game. They can't try and play Boston's game. But here's a situation where it's, it's the playoffs. you got to finish your checks and take away time and space. And I think that was very effective because they created a lot of turnovers by putting pressure on Boston's D. Yeah. I think they were playing their game with an edge. I think that's the difference. They, they're not Boston. They're not super physical. But they can be if the situation ar- arises for it. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's really important um, given the, the way that Boston plays the game. And it's... You know, to me, it was kind of the best version of the Leafs that we've seen, whereas, you know, the speed and skill and everything, uh, the transition play, the, the passing, it was all on point and it was what we expect from the Leafs. But you add that extra, like you said, playing with an edge, that physical dimension, and it, it it's what you want to see in the playoffs because there's a lot more emphasis put on, on the physical battles in the playoffs. And I think if they're doing that, they're showing that they belong at least, and that they can compete with the Bruins um, regardless of what the style of play is going to be. Oh, for sure. I think anyone who watched game one and thought to themselves, like these can't compete with Bruins or anyone else. I think they're highly mistaken, obviously. Um, I'm kind of interested to ask you what you thought of the Matthews line in game one. Because I have very mixed feelings about this. Yeah, they were they were definitely quiet. Um, you know, personally, I'm not the biggest fan of Kapanen on his wing, just because Kapanen can't he can't thread the needle. You know, like it seems his passes are always too far ahead of him or behind him, or the timing is off. You know, Matthews was still driving offense as he, he normally does, um, but they they leave a little bit left to be desired. And the other side of that as well was. They they had a couple of rough shifts where they spent the entire time in their end and not touching the puck. And I, I can't stand it. I can't stand it when Matthews doesn't get the puck in a whole shift because it just feels like a waste to me. Yeah, no. Um, I thought they had chances, especially I think it was the end of the second period. Um, they weren't like dominantly dominant offensively. Um, but I thought Matthews played one of the best defensive games that I've ever seen him. He was ferocious. He was hunting down every puck. He was coming to support the D, which sometimes I know he doesn't do, and it frustrates me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I thought they were good in the first game. The second game, not so much. I don't think anyone was like really positive in the second game. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of positives to pick out of game two. Uh, I, you know, I, there was no one who really stood out to me. There wasn't; they weren't generating a lot of offense or high danger chances at all, really, until the third period. Um, but you do make a good point about Matthews on the defensive side of the puck because he was putting in that extra effort. He was, you know, getting his stick in the play, and um, I know he stripped a few guys of the puck there to to help get the Leafs out of their end. Um, after a couple of those uh, long shifts where they were getting hemmed in. But, yeah, he's definitely leaving a um, just a lot to be desired, I think, at this point. And do you think that at this point, has he is he doing enough right now? And, like, is there higher pressure just because of his performance last year and kind of lack of points versus the Bruins? Oh, for sure there is. I think, like you said, there's so much more that he could do. I think most of the times I criticize him the most because I expect the most out of him. I, I know you have so much more left. I think after game one, people were like, okay, like it wasn't the best game for that line. 
but like they didn't do that bad and then after game two it was like okay like now everyone just wants blood for matthews um mm-hmm. but i expect them to come back big for game three and four i mean we're going to be at home i expect the whole team to come back big um but yeah i think there's definitely um some resentment i guess from the fan base from last year's performance um i think him and, and kadri and gardner kind of bear that like blame right yeah they they did definitely get uh targeted by the fan base and you know it's it's just kind of the nature of the fan too that you're always looking for that scapegoat and uh mm-hmm. you know seeing who who didn't do enough or who could have been an X factor. And Matthews is definitely one of those guys where he can move the needle uh, for the team. If he, if, if, if he plays accordingly, um, I, I definitely think that there's a large amount of pressure and some of that might also be due to the, uh, you know, he's getting paid now. He's got that big contract. Mm-hmm. So you want to see, um, you want to see his best in the playoffs. And I think last night was one of those points as well, where I'm like, we could really use him just to, you know, just to whip one down there and rip one bar down, like it would have, it could have changed the game for them. Like it could have, you know, got them some momentum and, and just, you know, the, that those individual efforts. And, and he's one of those guys, we've seen it plenty of times where he can, he can change the game. He can almost put the team on his back. Yeah. We saw him doing his first game ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I agree. Yeah. Uh, now, Freddie Anderson, um, I, th- I, I, t- I think when I texted you last night, I said one of the few positives, I think, in that game is that it, it wasn't really his fault, and he's been fairly wow. solid thus far. So do you think he's really calmed the concerns about his performance, especially after having a rough march and um, kind of getting shelled by the Bruins last year as well? Oh, for sure. Um, so last night um, at the bar that we were at, Ian Graff from Twitter was there, and I don't know if you know, but he does the report cards at the end of every game yeah, that's right. for every individual player. And we were talking about like what Freddie's like report card should be, and I said B, maybe like B minus or B plus. That could be like um, an argument, but I thought he was for sure the best leave on the ice. If it wasn't for him, it probably would have been like six one. Let's be serious. Mm-hmm. Um, he was solid after game one. Um, he had a pretty bad game one and game two last year. He had a pretty bad overall series yeah. last year. I think he had a nine, eight, nine, six, like safe percentage against the Bruins. Um, and his last 10 games of the regular season in March were not good. And I think that's concerning because it was right when playoffs were about to start. But I think that we've seen him over the past three years and know that the last 10 games of the regular season, that's not Freddie. Game one this year, that's Freddie. So yeah. I'm not concerned about him, but, you know, things can change. Yeah, I, and I, it's good that he's been solid so far, and it's a bit of a relief because I know that was one of the kind of the question marks going into the series, and I, we, we talked about it um, when we first had you on the show, that he is um, definitely one of the most important factors for the Leafs in this series in that, um, you know, if if he's not playing well, they, they almost don't have a chance. Um, and a lot of this can be related to the way they play the game and that the high octane, high risk maneuvers often lead to a lot of shots and shot attempts on goal. Um, pretty cool that you got to meet Ian Lowe last night. Is he just <laughs> taking notes like the whole game then? Like, no. It, or was he not Ian doing the cards last night? He wasn't doing it. The other guy was, I think his name's Dom. Yeah. Yeah, no, but Ian was a complete wreck last night. <laughs> yeah, because he's a pretty of, diehard Leaf fan too, eh? Yeah. Out of any, everyone there, he was 
stressing out the most. <laughs> oh man. And, and the thing is he's usually got to write about it the next day too. So yeah. I, I actually really enjoy the guy's content and he does some excellent work for the athletics. So, uh, if uh, you're a subscriber out there, you're not yet check out, check out his work. And, uh, I really enjoy reading the report cards after the game too, because they kind of confirm your biases or put things into perspective for you some nights when you thought everything was terrible, but he'll pick out the, you always pick out the winners and losers throughout the the games, I think. Sure. So I might be putting a uh, putting a quarter in you here, uh, but I want to know what you think about uh, splitting up Matthews and Nylander. And I guess the fear now with Kadri being gone is that we might not see them together again for the rest of the series. I came on this podcast over a month ago, and we yelled and screamed about the same thing. Yeah. We said, why would you split them up? Um, they have the best chemistry. And I was not thrilled when he put them up before game one. After watching game one, I understood why, though. We're on the road, so you don't have preferred matchups. Um, you won the Tavares line against the Bergeron line. But a lot of times in game one, we saw that it was Matthews going up against them. So I understand why you put Kapanen on there. I feel like that's a better defensive line. Yes. Not that Nylander is bad defensively, but I just think if there's like a break where a mistake happens, Kapanen has the speed to catch up. And he's killed penalties before, so he's pretty good defensively. By putting Nylander on Kadri's wing, you increase the third line speed and skill, which should dominate Boston. Then it did in game one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, th- now, Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, go ahead. I'll cut you off. Now, if this whole cadre hearing discussion never happens, I would say you're coming back home for game three and four. Switch Captain in and Nealander. Put him back on Matthew's wing. You're at home. You have preferred matchups. Um, they're going to try to cancel out one of the lines. And I assume Boston would spend or put their focus on the Tavares line just because I think they want to shut down Mitch Marner. He's been the best player so far, in my opinion. That gets Matthews on a little bit more leeway offensively. And with Nylander back on the wing, should be game over. Yeah, well, I'd really hope, uh, I hope you're right about that. And, you know, I, I, what I fear, I guess, is that they, he ends up playing that uh, 3C role um, just because we've seen Marlowe in that role. And, it well, we're not getting enough out of Marlowe altogether right now. And I don't no. see how putting a, him in the center position is going to help us out anymore. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, and uh, and unfortunately, Nazem Kadri has put us in a just a terrible situation. And right after he scored a, an awesome goal that potentially got them back in the game, it's like you know you did your damage on the scoreboard. Yeah. You should you should be focused on the on the task at hand here. I just I understand that Kadri in the moment he gets fired up and then he does some dumb shit. But that has to be the dumbest thing I've ever seen him do. And I'm a fan of his. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the style of hockey. Um, I identify with those types of players. But that has to be the stupidest thing I've ever seen him do in his entire career. Anyone who's listening right now, last night when Kadri scored, Adam texted me. (laughs) And he said, yeah, nah. And like five minutes later, he has a high stick on the brusque. And he texted me again going, why is he so stupid? <laughs> yeah, it's like I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, I agree. I think let's say um Kadri's out, knowing Babcock, and this hurts me to say, he's gonna put Nylander in center and he's gonna pair him up with Marlon Brown. That's gonna be a terrible line. Yeah, I mean there's no one there's no one to 
drive offense with Nylander. I mean, if yeah, he's, no. it, it just seems like he's a very good complimentary playmaker type guy. He goes well with, with someone, you know, whether it's Austin Matthews or whomever, but there's not a lot of offensive upside to that line. And if you're looking for your um, third line to play a predominantly defensive role and just keep pucks out of your net and out of your end, I mean, we haven't really seen that, um, you know, defensive side of Marlowe this year at all. He hasn't been effective defensively. And Connor Brown's been, you know, largely invisible throughout the season, uh, except for game one, really, where he, I think he really stepped up. So it's definitely concerning for me. And uh, Kaji's definitely put us in an uncomfortable situation. Um, Just quickly, what do you think he's going to be getting for games here? Uh, As soon as it happened, all I saw was five games. And I mean, I think somewhere between three and five, I don't know if they would give him three again. They gave him three last year, and they're just going to look at him as a repeat offender and be like, did you learn anything? You didn't. You right. did it again, right? Five seems very aggressive. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking maybe four, mm-hmm. um, and that's still a lot for a playoff series. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, they. I know they tend to weight playoff games heavier, but given Kadri, his repeat offender status, and not just the fact that he's been suspended before, but for the same shit, hitting guys in the head, cross-checking dudes in the head. I mean, it's it, they're they're going to throw the book at him, I'm afraid, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if you're right, if it's five-plus games where, and we don't see him again for the rest of the series, and we'll be fortunate if we if we see him again. And, and that's a huge loss because in this in this type of game where the physicality is, is so important and having that agitator, um, you know, like Kadri out there is, is, is his importance is almost uh, magnified in a series like this. So to take a guy like that out, um, it, it does like irreparable damage to the team and not just, not to mention the lineup changes, but what the guy brings on the ice. I mean, he was, uh, quite effective in game one and I thought up until he I believe he had that knee on knee with the brusque um, also the fact that you know it's funny because everybody was pointing to that that hit on Marlowe and they're like well that was a nothing that, hit that, was... that hit on Marlowe was fine that's the thing that makes me the angriest yeah because I don't chose... think it... yeah I don't think it was that that set him off right it had to be in no. the, the ongoing kind of battles with the brusque mm-hmm. correct I think the Bruins were baiting him all game they knew he was going to bite. And the thing that makes me so mad is that the refs let this happen. I don't want to be that person that blames the refs for the loss because it's not on mm-hmm. them. I mean, the Leafs didn't show up. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. But they just let murder go on the entire time. Muzzin was bleeding. Hyman was bleeding. Dermot was bleeding. I saw Tavares get high sick like three or four times, like no call whatsoever. And I think they just got really frustrated. And Kadri got the like red mist. Yeah. And he just... Yeah, it was stupid, stupid play by him. Yeah, absolutely. And and you bring up a good point about the officiating. And and again, I I echo what you say. I don't really like to be that guy who's like, oh, the refs fucked us or whatever. But in this certain circumstance, I mean, when you put the whistles away, this is when players look for retribution. Mm -hmm. They start policing themselves. And this is a, a perfect example of that. But... On the other side of that coin, the Leafs should know this by now, okay? This is not yeah. our first time in the playoffs. This happens every single year. But I think the part of it that bothers me the most is you see the uh, penalty that Nas took before he uh, got came out of the box and got kneed? He tapped yeah, the when, guy in the mitts. <laughs> right, was that the one where DeBrusk hit him in the face like three times? Yeah, so that penalty yeah. for one, yeah, where he got punched three times and ended up getting two minutes for who knows. 
but then he got a he got a, a slashing penalty or whatever for tapping a guy in the gloves. So elbowing guys in the head, uh, you know, uh, punching guys in the head, whatever, you know, Boston laying dirty hits, whatever, that's fine. But don't touch someone's gloves. Go, oh, that's a penalty. Yeah. You know, sit down for two minutes, you dangerous fucker. Like I don't understand <laughs> that. And Gautier got a penalty for roughing. Really? Yeah. Like that's the stuff that when they when they put the whistles away and then they call shit like that, it really is confusing mm-hmm. for the fan because you're like, okay, that's a very blatant, dangerous play, and yet results in nothing. Whereas you touch a guy in the gloves, and oh shit, like in something that has no impact on the play whatsoever. It's it's got to be the most frustrating thing. And I know the NHL is on their officials, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of conversations with them uh, based on what transpired last night. But I'm not expecting to see next game being full of penalties or, or even being close to the officiating we see in the regular season. No, it was it was horrible. I saw a lot of other like fans from other fan bases, um, especially some like Avalanche fans, because uh, the Calgary Colorado series has been like pretty high on penalties. They're calling a lot of it for that series, and they were saying like, "What the hell was this last night?" Like even other fans were like, "This was." It's one of the worst officiating I've seen. And if you have, if you're the Bruins, you also have to be mad because someone's gonna get hurt. They have like four guys out right now, day to day. Yeah, that's right. And there, and I believe a couple guys uh, was a couple defensemen uh, got banged up last night as well. Yeah, Tori Krug, like Muzzin had a huge hit on him. His helmet went flying. Um, I forget the other guys' names, but some of them didn't even travel because they're well. I think one of them is sickness. Right, right. Yeah, and you make a great point about that, about guys getting hurt. I mean, Kadri uh, uh, is lucky enough, I think, that uh, he was able to come back in that game. Maybe a better thing if he didn't. But uh, what did you think about that DeBrusque hit anyway? I know a lot of people were up in arms. I didn't get a good angle on it until I saw some people who like kind of screen-capped some stills where you could see him stick out the knee because at the time it looked like a, a shoulder hit like in, in the moment. At first, when I first thought, saw it, I thought it was knee-on-knee. Knee. I have seen, like, uh, slower replays of it, and it looks a little bit of both. It looks a little bit of knee, a little bit of shoulder. You can see Nazim Kadri kind of jump right at the end to try to get out of the way, and I think that made it worse because mm-hmm. he went in with more force. Um, I would have loved to see a penalty there because I think that got him really pissed off. Yeah, absolutely, and and again, going back to the fact that uh, if the refs aren't going to make the calls, then the players think that they got to take it into their own hands. Yeah, um, yeah it was de- definitely disappointing, and uh, I, I really pissed myself off, I guess, this morning when I was uh, hearing Bruce Cassidy talk about it. He's like, oh, yeah, clean hit, shoulder to shoulder. Now it's just staying on the ice because that's what he does. Like, oh, my God, did that ever get me fired up? Like, I know the coaches got to defend their guys and do that, but you just sound like a, a complete asshole, basically. Yeah, no. Um, the, the play was, uh, it was, like, Kadri had possession. And even if it's a questionable hand, you don't know if it's knee on knee, just call the penalty. Yeah, like every, it's, everyone's, it's fine, you know? Um, I'm curious to know what your take is on Sean Avery defending the league. Because it's the second time he's done that this season. And, like, out of anyone who could come out and defend the Leafs, he was not the guy I expected. Yeah, I know. And and I, I like Avery. You know, I, I hated him as a hockey player. And, like, he seems like a complete dick of a person. But it's, you know, his, his takes are interesting. That's for sure. And uh, 
it, it just goes to show you like how how much people are paying attention to this series and it I think mm-hmm. it's probably one of the more watched ones um, we know Boston Toronto being a couple of the better teams in the league and it being projected to be one of the closest as well um, but yeah Avery uh, you know if he's going to defend our team I'll take it because the guy's got a huge platform and a huge following right um, I think t- Toronto Boston is the only series from last year that's a rematch because I believe every other series is uh, well except for San Jose Vegas who played in the second round and yeah. other play in the first round now, um, I'm going to take it away from the Leafs here so that we can calm mm-hmm. down and take a breath here for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, is, is there any other series you've been watching closely or that, uh, that you've been interested in? I'm kind of watching a bit of everything. It's a bit hard with the Western games because of the time difference. But like, if I can stay up, I'll watch it. Before the postseason, I was most excited for Calgary, Colorado, and Vegas, San Jose. Because aside from the Leafs, those are my other four teams that I follow the most. Mm-hmm. Really big um Calgary fan too um but since the playoff started Penguins Islanders has been a bloodbath yeah absolutely and and I expected that too because you know it's part of what the Islanders do they they they've got a lot of physical guys who finish their checks yeah and after Columbus come back coming back in game one I'm glued to that series yeah I am it's thrilling (laughs) I am so ready for uh, Tampa to get sweeped it's not gonna happen but I think I ruined Tampa uh, the day before their playoff, their first playoff game. I tweeted out saying, like, um, I just have a feeling Tampa's not going to win the Cup. Like, I'm not saying they're not going to get past the first round, but I just don't believe the hype. I, that might sound stupid to say they're the best regular season um, team in, like, the last 20 years or something like that. But I just don't believe the hype in Tampa, and I don't think they're going to make it all the way. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you in that it's – there's plenty of times where we've seen the best team doesn't always win. I mean, the playoffs yeah. are a different animal, right? And uh, you got to think Columbus is feeling pretty good going home up 2 nothing on them. Just take it back to the Islanders and Penguins, though. Uh, what do you think about the Penguins potentially coming back in that series? I know I might give them a bit of an edge just because of their veterans, and I, you know, I never really sleep on them in the first place, but they've definitely dug themselves a hole here. I mean, you never bet against Sidney Crosby, but he I think he's, like, scoreless in the first two games. He has no points, no goals. Um, I think the Penguins' defense is very bad. Like, aside from Chris Letang, like, who is there? There's no one else. Yeah, it seems that they're getting exposed quite frequently, and mm-hmm. with the amount of forechecking pressure that the Islanders put on the put on the defense, I mean, it's they're giving them headaches, and they've been an absolute handful back there. And um, with Robin Leonard as well playing as solid as it is, it's not going to be easy for the Penguins' offense to get going. I mean, they're not going to be filling the nets. These are all going to be tight games, I think. Yeah, Robin Leonard has to be the story of the season. After all, he went through in Buffalo. And then he shows up on the island and just has, like, miraculous season. It, it's great to see. And I think Barry Trotz has, like, a very well-coached team. I know I read some stats that Islanders are one of the best defensive teams in the league. Mm-hmm. So I think the Penguins have their hands full. It's not impossible. We've seen Sidney Crosby and Malkin and Kessel do it before. Um, I just think uh, I have the Islanders on this one. I think they're going to make it past the first round. Yeah, and, and you know, going into it, I, I definitely was on the side of the Penguins just because I think they, uh, they, uh, I'm not saying they're tapering off, but I think they got to make the most of their runs while they can, just because their their stars are getting into their early 30s, and 
we kind of know how that goes. I, I know Crosby's not showing any signs of slowing down, but maybe the overall window is starting to get smaller for Pittsburgh. So um, they definitely got an uphill battle, and it's going to be interesting to see uh, if they can find a way to claw back in this series. Um, at least unlike Tampa, they are going home, um, which kind of gives them a, you know, they say you're not in trouble until you start losing home games in the playoffs. So hopefully, yeah. uh, hopefully Sid, the kid will figure it out there and yeah. uh, find a way to penetrate that fucking stingy, stingy defense. And, but you know, you, you got to beat Leonard at the end of the day. And like you said, I agree with you on, on him being the story of the season. And I think some credits got to go up to the front office there and Lou Lamorella, man, that guy just finds goaltenders. I mean, he brought Freddie into Toronto. It was one of his first major moves he did. And then he goes to the Island and people are like, well, I don't know where he's going to find a going now. And he takes a chance on, on Robin Leonard and, and he's just in, in, in peak form. Really. I don't think we've seen him play like this in any point of his career. No, Robin Leonard is the Cam Ward this season, but he actually like panned out. It worked out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, what are your plans for tomorrow night's game? You're not working, are you? No, I am. I work till eight, so I think the game starts at seven. Right. So I usually miss the first period and like a little bit of the second. So now you um, were telling me you listen to the games though while you're at work, right? Um, I try to. I have the NHL like live on my phone, so as soon as I get off work, I play it um, or I listen to it on the way home. Yeah, so at least you're not missing. Anything. Now, have there been moments where you're listening to it at work and you've like reacted to something really loud and drawn drawn some stares? Or um, no, not really. Usually, when it's that late, I'm kind of alone. There's not a lot of people around me working, um, so I haven't had any weird like stares. But every once in a while, I'll check my phone, and it'll be either a good score or a bad score, and I'll just say something not appropriate for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess heading home after work, rushing home to uh, to get the game on, I'm assuming. Well, let's hope it's a good one, and I have to rush home. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You don't want to be, uh, you know, I, I hate that when you're like, oh, yeah, I got, I'm going to be late for the game, and then it's like, ah, oh, it's for nothing, for fuck's sakes. Like, <laughs> kind of ruin the whole experience for you. Well, Laura, I really appreciate you coming on the show again. Um, you know, you're a rising star here, I think, and you're going places, so hopefully uh, we'll still be able to get you on the future and you won't uh, get too big for us, you know? Oh, no, for sure. Thank you for having me back on. I appreciate it, even after last night's debacle. Yeah, well, I figured it was uh, it was going to be good either way because if they won, we'd be all jacked up. If they lost, we were going to be all pissed off. And I mean, they provide us with no shortage of content, uh, especially given the uh, what transpired with Nazem Kadri. But again, um, if you don't follow Laura on Twitter, she is at Duarte Laura with two yeah. E's and two A's. And uh, uh, sorry, go ahead. Last time I tried to spell it out and it was it didn't work out, so that's a better way to describe it. Yeah, I, I tried my best, and I was actually just... I didn't have it in front of me, and I'm like, I think that's what it is. But yeah, follow Laura if you don't. She's providing you with all the content that you could possibly want on the Leafs. And uh, keep up the good work, Laura, and we'll chat soon. Okay, thank you. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. And a very special thank you, of course, to Laura Duarte for joining us once again on the Pucks in Deep podcast. Uh, you know... It, it's it's been a really frustrating morning, and uh, not to mention trying to digest what happened last night, but also me trying to figure out this fucking software. Um, so I'm going to wrap things up here. Uh, make sure you follow the Puck Pod at Puck Pod on Twitter. You can follow me at at Lesko Adam, and you can follow Josh 
at Coleman42. I'm not sure when the next episode is going to drop as we are kind of in limbo with Josh gone and with the playoffs going on. It's kind of a busy time of year here, but we're hoping to get something fired up early next week. Um, Hopefully we'll have some better news to report on and some better things uh, to talk about uh, that aren't so negative surrounding our boys in blue. Um, So everybody, uh, thank you very much for listening and sticking around uh, throughout the season. Uh, It's been an unbelievable run that we're having on the Pucks and Deep podcast. Um, I really keep your questions, keep your feedback coming because, you know, we kind of live for that shit and uh, we do this for you, the listener. So um, you know, don't know, don't ever be afraid to give us a shout, shoot us a note. And, um, you know, we're, we're really big on interacting with the listeners and we're always trying to improve this podcast and, uh, to kind of take it to the next level here. Um, so thanks once again for listening and we will talk to you next week.